Good morning to all of you. And uh, once again, I'm very thankful to the Lord for being here and for having this opportunity to um, share with you a few thoughts from the Word of God. This morning, I would like to speak uh, to you about the cities of refuge, if you notice in the, in the bulletin. When you hear the word refuge, what do you understand? What comes to your mind? What kind of a place is that? Protection. What else? Security. What else? Safety. Safety. What else? Shelter. Yeah, that word shelter is, has, has been in, in the news lately, right? And it's very common to hear this. As the Israelites were entering into the promised land, God asked them to uh, set aside six cities in different parts of what they were conquering and how uh, the land was divided among the ten tribes. In Numbers chapter 35, verse 14 and 15, it says, Ye shall give three cities on this side of Jordan, and three cities ye give in the land of Canaan, which shall be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be a refuge, both for the children of Israel, and for the stranger, and for the sojourner among them that everyone that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. So there were three cities on the side of Canaan, and there were three cities on the side of uh, the land that they were possessing, the land of Israel. And these specific cities were created for one purpose. What was the purpose? The end of the verse tells us that, that everyone that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. What does the word unawares mean to you? It's an accident, right? Something that was not premeditated. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, is a known verse. Uh, it's the command that says, Thou shalt not kill. What was the provision that God was making in separating these cities? What happened when something was done premeditated? What's the difference? Let's see what the Bible has to say. In the same chapter, verses 16 through 21, it explains to us when someone killed actually someone by premeditating the act. And it says, and if he smite him with throwing a stone, wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. But if he smite him with a hand weapon of wood, wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The revenger of blood himself shall slay the murderer. When he meeteth him, he shall slay him. But if he trust him of hatred or, or hurled at him by laying of weight, that he die, or in enmity smite him with his hand, that he die, he that smote him shall surely be put to death, for he is a murderer. The revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him. This was the condition if, some, if someone will premeditate killing somebody. That person needed to die because it was done in a premeditated way. Now, the cities of refuge were done for those uh, were prepared or built for those that did it unintentionally. Let's say there were two people working, chopping wood, and the head of the axe just flew and he killed the man, he hit him on the head, and he killed him. It was not premeditated. You know, there were a lot of things that they were doing with, um, that could, could cause the death of someone, not intentionally, but unintentionally. 
It was the infinite wisdom of God that he prepared these cities. For whom? Do you remember what the verse said? For the stranger, for the sojourner, and who else? And anyone among the children of Israel that will kill anyone unawares. But the city was not just done for the person just to go there and, and hide. No. There were certain conditions that needed to be met. And among those conditions, uh, we're going to see them now. But before I get there, I wish I could have shown you the map. Um, it's very interesting. All these cities were proportionately built in such a way that anyone could be in any city of refuge at any time within one day running. Now, but that was running, not walking. And why running? Because he was fleeing for his life. Yeah? And these cities, it's very interesting that uh, I find out that they were built from limestone. Have you ever seen limestone? Right? That stone is white and it's not, uh, it's not so heavy as marble per se or any other kind of rock. But limestone has a very interesting thing that you can do to it. If you uh, smooth it and then polish it, you know what happens to that uh, limestone? It shines. And most of these cities were placed in, on hills. Therefore, that means that when someone was running for his life, guess what he could see? The city. Because it was white and they kept it shining. Even at night, when they would put uh, torches, the, the city will, will kind of glitter. So no one will miss the city of refuge. You know, because a day running, it, it takes you over the night. So that person could flee, could have the opportunity, could see and have the hope set before him. They were, he was right there within 24 hours. Another thing is interesting, I already mentioned, is that they were built on, on, on hilltops. So people can, could see him, could see the cities. And uh, this brings something very interesting to me. When, um, when Jesus said that ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And most of the cities back then, they were built from limestone. And they, were tr they, were tried, they tried to keep them shining so people could see them. And so this saying of Jesus, it reflects the fact of the cities of refuge. And so it is in our personal life. You know, we need to shine as well. Important for us. In the book of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 42, we find that the person that will slay anyone unawares had to flee. Deuteronomy Chapter 4, verse 42. It says that the slayer might flee thither, which should kill his neighbors unawares, and hated him not in time past, and that fleeing unto one of these cities he might live. That was the purpose. That the person could flee find refuge, and save his life. But that was not the end. That was not the end. In Numbers 35, verse 24. Numbers, chapter 35, and verse 24. 
Notice what will happen to, to that person also. Then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the revenger of blood according to these judgments. So it was not just that the person would flee to the city of refuge and say, oh, I'm safe. No. Once he got there, they noticed that he was running. So the people that lived there, and most of the time were Levites, they could see it, the person coming. And then they, they noticed, and they had to take him to the rest of the elders to have what? A trial. And to judge him. Now, verse 30 and 31, it also tells us how this judgment needed to be done. Because remember, the people that were inside the city, they didn't know the matter until the slayer was coming in. But there was somebody else running behind him. So, verse 30. Whoso killeth any person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses. But one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. Verse 31. Moreover, you shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall be surely put to death. So the condition was, one, there was a group of people, elders, and most of them were Levites. They would do the judgment. They would hear him. But one witness was not enough. It needed to be more than one, at least two or three. And also, if you notice, it says, Moreover, you shall take no satisfaction. Do you know what that word means? The what? No, actually no. I, I, I myself was a little bit, what does, because I was trying to understand, you shall take no satisfaction. Who will not be satisfied? I was thinking to myself. But the word means something different. I'll tell you what it means. Is, is the word coffer or coffer? And it means not to take a redemption price, not to bribe, not to take a ransom. In other words, the priests that were doing the judgment or any of the of the elders that were there, they were not supposed to take bribes. They were not supposed to be bribed. They were not supposed to take money. Isn't that, that a, the way how the system works here too? I mean, it's supposed to be that way, right? There's supposed to be more than two witnesses. The judge cannot take no bribes. And if he does, what happens to him? He goes to jail. The same thing happened here. So, moreover, he shall not take bribe for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall be surely put to death. <coughs> what kind of a person was that, that then that was going to participate in the judging of that person? He had to have integrity. He had to be a person of principle. Even if it was his own relative, he needed to stand for what was right, according to what was written and given by God to Moses. Now, what happened if the person was found not guilty? Or what happened if the person was found guilty? If the person was found guilty, according to what we read, he was given to the one that was persecuting him, and they will take care of the matter. Now, if he was not guilty, what will happen to him? Numbers 35, verses 20, 20, 25th and 26. Notice. And the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hands of the revenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge, whither he was fled, and he shall abide in it until unto the death of the high priest, which was anointed with the holy oil. But if the slayer shall at any time come without the border of the city of his refuge, whether he was fled, 
and the revenger of the blood find him without the borders of the city of his refuge, and the revenger of blood kill the slayer, he shall not be guilty of blood. So the person was found not guilty, he will have to stay where? Within the city of <coughs> refuge. Now think about it. If he is a young person, 15 years old or 20 years old, and the high priest just began his term, usually lasted maybe about 50 years, that person, when the high priest would die, if he, if he was still alive, he would be very old. He would be about 70 years old or 65, whichever way. But what was the purpose for that person to stay there within the city of refuge? <laughs> Most of the people that lived in within the cities of refuge were Levites. What were the Levites doing? What was their, what, what was their main uh, object for their entire life? To be priest, right? So guess, guess what was happening to the person that ended up staying in the city of refuge? He, he learned continually of the things of God. Keep in mind that the fact that the person was able to keep to get in the city of refuge, the doors were always open 24-7. There were no doors. I mean, they were the shape of a door, but there was no door. It was always open. Anytime a person could come in, running, and also go out. But what was the choice if the person was found guilty? Uh, um, not guilty, but steps outside. He will be put to death by the avenger. So as the person stayed there within, within the walls, listening daily and continually of the things of God, he will understand many things. Now, what happened if the high priest will die and the person was still alive? He could go. He could go free. Don't you think that this, this, this thing was marvelous, you know, what God was preparing for the people? What was God doing by allowing the Israelites to have these cities of refuge? What was He trying to teach them? To me, it comes to one word. Well, actually, it's two. It's justice and mercy. Justice because the person will come in and be judged. Mercy because if he was found that he was not guilty, he could stay inside the city. It's the same for us today. We will talk about that, that a little later. Now, the names of the city of refuge, there are six of them. And one of the, before I began with the names and describing their, where they were, several things happened there that is worthy for us to, to keep in mind. One of them was that the, the roads that were leading to these cities of refuge, they were always smooth. There were no rocks. It was clean. There were also signposts telling you the way to the city of refuge. So people wouldn't get lost. Now, about the smoothing of the the roads. What would happen if those roads were not kept in proper shape? What would happen to the person running to the city of refuge? He will fall down. He will have an accident if there was a rock there. Especially at night. You know, in the morning you can see the rock. But at night, you don't see the rock. Now, the Bible tells us that we should be very careful not to be what? A stumbling block. 
you know, everything has its parallel. Everything from the Old Testament has its parallel in the New Testament. The, the wording, it should help us to understand in the spiritual sense what God is telling us. Also keep in mind, when a king was coming, going from one city to another city, what was done in preparation for him to be able to get there? They will clear the path, you know, they will smooth the road, rocks will, will be separated. You know, you sometimes you see on, on the freeways day that they are mowing, they are cleaning the trees that are too big and so forth and so forth. No, it's the same thing, same principle. That was kept uh, that way. The cities were able to be reached from all parts of the country. And as I mentioned before, the doors were always open. The cities were kept shining so they could be seen far from afar. There was plenty of water also. Why? 24 hours running. Can you run for 24 hours without water? No, you cannot. It's almost impossible. So these were the things that, that were... Um, in preparation for anyone that will have to run to any of the cities of refuge. From any part of the country, there was a, cities, a city of refuge. And I, I, am, I have the confidence that everybody in the different tribes, they all knew which way was the city of refuge. Why? Because accidents happen, right? Accidents happen. So, they needed to be aware of all these things and be ready in case something happened, they could flee to the city of refuge. Now, the first city of refuge was called Bezer. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation in English. It's, it's a Hebrew word. But this was one of the three cities uh, located on the east of the Jordan. This was found in the territory of the tribe of Reuben. And it was given to the Levites. Now, the meaning of this uh, word is fortification. It was not a fort, but it, the meaning was a uh, fortification. It was a city of refuge. In Psalms 91... Psalms 91... We'll read a few verses here. Notice what it says. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, and from the noise pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers. And under his wings shall thou trust. His trust. I'm sorry. His truth shall be thy shield. And buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Nor for the arrow that fleeth by, way, by day. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thy eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall not evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. In these verses here, in this chapter, in Psalms, God is called what? My refuge. <coughs> My fortress. Fortress, fortification come from the same root. So the meaning of this city of refuge, the name, it meant that God was going to protect. They could hide in that city of refuge. But verse 3, 
he brings something very interesting. He said, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. What is a fowler? According to the Hebrew word, it means a hunter, a shooter, a trapper, a wild fowl. So if the avenger was coming to get you, he will do all kinds of things to try to get and kill you. He will shoot arrows, may, may have a sword, who knows, a javelin, may trap you somehow. So even here, God is saying to us through David that he will protect us. He will be able to deliver us. And we can hide under him. Interesting that also our Lord Jesus Christ, he said, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I have tried to bring you under what? Under my wings as the hen does to the chicks. Brethren, God is calling us to go to that fortress, to go to that city of refuge. He is willing to cover us under his wings. I know many of you know that song, under his wings. What, is, what else it says? I am safely abiding. Though darkness come, the person will not be afraid. Everything, brethren, that is in the Bible, it has a meaning for us. And we need to be uh, attentive to these things. The next city of refuge, Hebron. According to the Hebrew meaning of the word, it means association and communion. This is the meaning of the word. It is very interesting that this city was just south of Jerusalem. It was a fortified city. In Genesis chapter 23, verse 2, and I'm going to avoid reading a few of these verses, but I will tell you what, what is there. Genesis 23, 2 says that Abraham lived there and Sarah died in Hebron. So this city has some history. Also, in Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 15, Caleb came through, through there and conquered the city of Hebron and took it from the giants, from Anakim and his family. And Joshua 14, 6 through 15, and Judges 1, 10 and 20. Caleb came and conquered Hebron. Another thing that happened there was David was crowned king in Hebron. King of Judah, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And later on in the same place, he was crowned king of all Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And of course, this was also a city of refuge. Now, the word means communion and association. In Psalm 77, Psalms 77, verses 6 through 9. Notice what he says. I call to remembrance my son in the night. I commune within my own heart. And my spirit made diligent search. What was the search? In his heart. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in, in anger shut up his tender mercies? 
Then verse 13 says, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? He was communing in his heart. Who was talking to David? Who was talking to David at night when he was resting and he couldn't rest actually? He was the Holy Spirit. Notice the questions that he's bringing. Will the Lord cast off forever? What problems was fa uh, David facing? He was actually bringing him down. And he was getting desperate. How many of us in, a, in a, any given situation, we feel ourselves desperate? I believe all of us, we have been in that situation at least once. Something was pressing David's heart. But he remembered. There at night, communing in his heart with the Holy Spirit, he remembered, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Isn't that true, brethren, that the way of God is in his sanctuary? It is. It is in his sanctuary. There is where we can find answers to these questions. Is the door open for the heavenly sanctuary? Yes, it is. Is the, is the way open? Yes. This, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He is the way, brethren. He also said, I am the door. God's mercies are available, brethren. Even the gospel. Isn't that the gospel still available to every one of us? Yes, it is. Very much. It's open. It's free. But as we read in Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it, might, it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Do you have a hope? Do we have a hope? I believe we do. And God doesn't lie. He gives us the truth. And if we take the truth, what happens? He will set us free. This is the hope that we have, brethren. That we can get to the throne of grace and get closer to, to our God. <laughs> and next city. Golan. I don't know if that's the pronunciation. But when, when you hear this word, what comes to your mind? You know, when I was eight years old, I used to read the newspaper. And during the 80s, Israel and Lebanon and, and Jordan, they had a little problem because of the Golan Heights. When, you, when I hear this word, the only thing that comes to me is war. Because there was a war going on there in the Golan Heights. And even until today, that place, that city, it is a problem. Golan Heights. What does the word mean? It means exile. He said, wasn't that true? That when a person running from the slayer or from the revenger get in there and found not guilty, he was in exile. He was close to the Sea of Galilee, about 12 miles from, this, from, from the Sea of Galilee. Joshua chapter 20 verse 8. It doesn't say how far, but it, was, it mentioned that it's close. And this was one of the cities of refuge east of Jordan. Okay? So, it means exile. When you think about the word exile, who comes to your mind? 
There's many in the Bible. John the Baptist. Who else went into exile? Another prophet. Elijah. Who else was in exile? Moses. David. Psalms 121. He says, verse 1 through 8, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? Was he thinking on the city of refuge? My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. It was not in the city. It was what the city was representing. And notice that he says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Why? Because the city of refuge was on the hill. But then he asks, From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. I will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even from evermore. David had such a trust in God, but he had to be for a, for a while in exile. Saul was persecuting him for no reason. For no reason. Elijah, he went into exile. He had a reason, but wasn't a reason for God. So we can continue mentioning names, but they found. No, actually, no. It was God that found them. David had that experience, Elijah had that experience. Paul in solitude had that experience, an exile. Daniel and his friends, they were in exile. But they all trust in the Lord. They might have been cast down for a, for a while. But the Lord searches for his children. And the question that he asked, looking he had a hope because he knew God. Do we know God? Do we know the God that can give us refuge? That can give us the strength? That can protect us? That can deliver us? I believe we do. The next city, Ramoth. Later on, that city was called Ramoth Gilead. What comes to your mind when you hear the word Gilead? The bomb of Gilead. Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 22. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughters of my people recovered? Another place, important place, Gilead. He was remembered as the heights of Gilead, actually. It was another hilly place. Now, I was trying to find in the Bible what was this bomb of Gilead, and there is nothing in the Bible. So I have to go to other sources. And... What it was is a bomb is an aromatic medicinal substance derived from, from plants. Gilead was an area east of the Jordan River, well known for its spices and ointments. The bomb of Gilead was therefore a high quality ointment with healing properties. The bomb was made from resin taken from a flowering plant in the Middle East. And it was some type of a mirth. Very, um, even mirth is, uh, has medicinal uh, properties. So this balm of Gilead was a medicine. It was not just used as a metaphor. 
but it, it was actually a medicine. If a person was fleeing because he had killed someone not meaning to, how do you think a person feels when, when something like that happens? I mean, even when you are driving and you, let's say, you kill a deer or a squirrel, how do you feel? I feel bad. You know, it's because we're not used to it. We don't have this, this, this desire within ourselves to kill an animal. You know, but sometimes things happen. Now, imagine if you kill accidentally a human, a person. How would you feel? It would be something terrible. You feel terrible within yourself. Don't you think that you would like to find some type of uh, healing? Something that would actually take away that pain? And the only one that can do it is God. Yes. And God is willing to give us that bomb of Gilead. The next city, Shechem. Shechem became one of the cities of refuge, the central city of refuge for Western Palestine. In this city here, or in this place, the bones of Joseph were buried, uh, Genesis 24-32. Rehoboam was appointed king in Shechem, 1 Kings 12, verses 1 and 19. But in John chapter 4, verse 5, there is something else that happened there in Shechem. Our Lord Jesus went to a place and he sat down at the well, at a well. Who comes to your mind? The Samaritan woman. Who was she? Who were the Samaritans? They were enemies of the Jewish people. And we remember the conversation that went on between Christ and, and this woman. But did Jesus reject her? She was a stranger, right? Completely stranger from from the Jewish people, and Christ was a Jew. What went on with the conversation? She received such a light. The Holy Spirit was working through her. She left and went back to the city. And she did not return alone. She came back with a host of people. She said, I have found the Messiah. It's so important, brethren, for us to see all these things because they have a special meaning for us. Anyone, we were strangers. I was one. I was a sojourner too on this earth. Thankfully, I had my second experience, per se. When, what else happened here? Genesis chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, it tells us that Abraham pitched his tent there on his way to the promised land. In Genesis 33, 19, it tells us that Jacob bought a parcel of a, of a field at the, at the hands of the children of Amor in his return from Mesopotamia. Also here, something interesting happened. In Genesis 35, verse 4, you remember that God had asked Jacob to go back to that place, to, to Bethel, with, with was it where? On the way to Shechem. What happened there? He realized that God was asking him to go back to the place where he had seen that ladder. And he saw angels ascending and descending. And Jacob realized that his family was not ready. And he asked them, give me all your idols, your earrings, and anything like that. And get ready, because we are going to meet God. 
his family, gave all, idols, earrings, and everything else. And the experience that they had was a, a completely different experience. At that moment, Jacob's family was in trouble. Two of his sons had just done something horrible to the people of Shechem. But the surrounding cities were ready to attack them. But once Jacob did this, and he asked for all these things, idols, bracelets, earrings, and everything else, the fear of God came upon these people that was ready to kill them. What an experience, brethren. They were also being persecuted there, right there in Shechem. They were, but they found refuge. They did their part. They came and they put aside all those things and God blessed them. Also in that same place, there is a well that was dug by Jacob. And it's known until today as Jacob's well. Another thing happened here that is very important. In Joshua chapter 24, verses, let's go all the way to verse 15. What did Joshua ask the people? Or what did he say after he delivered a message? He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Shechem has a very important meaning with all these things that happened. And there God asked Moses to build, or for the generation to come, to build a city of refuge. So they could remember all these things. How God was, had worked before for his people and how they could find refuge. And the last one, Kadesh. Kadesh was also on the other side uh, in Canaan. The word Kadesh means holy. This is where the word Odesh um, Kadeshim come or holy of holies. And this place is called Kadesh. It's a sacred desert or wandering. What happened here? In this place in Kadesh, it was where, where God asked Moses to speak to the rock. And because of the people were chiding at Moses, Moses hit the rock twice. He lost his patience. Water came out. But something was done that was wrong. And because of this, Moses and Aaron were not allowed to enter into the promised land. They were forgiven. Moses cried to God. If you read the story, Moses cried to God and he was asking him to let him go in. You know what God told him? Moses, enough. You're not going. Stop. But yet he was forgiven. Because he had that within himself. A man that could come to God and talk to him. Today, in that place, there, there is much water. They have found actually a place where water is actually coming out of a rock. And there, it, it forms many little um, like oases. Do you remember that in Revelation, we find John, that he wrote that there is an invitation that he that wants to come and drink of the water can come and drink of the water freely. Brethren, we can drink of that water. But we need to ask God for forgiveness. In John chapter 6 verse 37 says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. 
brethren, all these cities of refuge, with their different meanings, they all represent for us our own experience. You can go back and do your own research and see. Where is God pulling you from? Why have you run to the city of refuge? In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 23. Jeremiah 3.23 says, Truly, in vain is salvation hope for from the hills and from the multitude of the mountains. Truly, in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. They had all these cities of refuge. But where was salvation truly? In the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. And in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18, the last part, he says that we may have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set for us. Hebrews 6 verse 18, last part. Do you, want find, do you want to find consolation for your difficulties? Do you want to find forgiveness for your sins? We can flee for refuge. And let us lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. It's there. It's there for us to take it. Let's take the time. Let's take the advantage, brethren. And let us enjoy the salvation that God has provided for us.